Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 818 on this Monday. It is time for Counterpoint. Let's bring in Jamie Ellerton, principal over at Canaptus PR, and Stephen Drew, Toronto-based lawyer, broadcaster, also served one time as president of the Liberal Party of Canada when it was normal. Hello there, Stephen. I like, I like that. Addition. I like that Jamie's laughing at. You're absolutely right, though. When it was normal. When it was, normal. When it was not a one-man band. There you go. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the segment I just did on whether or not it's a good idea to um, decriminalize all drugs. I mean... <sighs> why not? And why don't we buy them for everybody, too? Don't, don't give them any ideas. Taxpayers should just, you know, just people who are out there working and raising a family and just enjoying life, I think they should contribute part of their taxes to buy drugs for all the people who want to do nothing except for take drugs, uh, because if we don't buy them, they're going to be involved in criminal elements. <laughs> and they're going to be robbing everybody to get their drugs. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are in the middle of July. Stephen LeDrew is calling for a state-sanctioned SOMA holiday. <laughs> you know, otherwise, <laughs> yeah. otherwise we're all going to be robbed blind by the these people. <laughs> well, okay. You know, interestingly, on Friday, we had a, a family on living in Queen West. So, you know, a, a pretty gentrified area of Toronto. And out the front door, they got a guy who smokes crack. And out the back door, they got people shooting up heroin between their toes in broad daylight. What's the matter with that? Well, you know, hey, yeah, yeah, sure. first one to the crack pipe gets some goldfish. I mean, <laughs> like, what are you going to do for the play date? But um, do we do we not have maybe one or two too many ideologues running these bureaucracies, Jamie? Yeah, I think this is actually more complicated than kind of like the populist kind of response and just kind of like common sense approach to this. If you look at how much money we've spent as a society on the quote-unquote war on drugs for policing enforcement and even healthcare, something's clearly not working. So is decriminalizing everything and legalizing it all tomorrow the approach? I'm not sure, but we need to start that conversation. Well, maybe we would turn into Singapore. They don't have anything like this. Yeah, I don't think we're executing people for their, uh, for chewing gum and sticking it underneath a park bench. Jamie, you said it clearly wasn't working, and we have all these commentators in our Western, you know, uh, liberal, pluralistic societies, democracies, saying it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because we got no guts in it. And Jan Alex just brought up the fact that Singapore, well, they got guts in it, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't have a drug problem. Uh, just like, you know, we have this gun problem in Toronto. Well, if you put everybody who has an illegal handgun in jail for 20 years, you know what? We are going to have a gun problem in Toronto. And the same thing with drugs. I mean, it's reprehensible what our elected officials are encouraging people to do. And you look at the, 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 the syringe exchange places and the safe houses in Toronto right now, and uh, it was uh, Sue Ann Levy writing in the, yeah. uh, in the Sun. She's saying you know, the crime rate around those places has gone up astronomically. And I feel badly for people who live around those, uh, those crack houses, the ones run by the government, and the so-called progressives who are saying this is a safe way to go, let them live beside one. Well, I, feel, I, certainly feel, I certainly feel for the businesses around some of those downtown sites because, you know, they can't run their businesses. And well, what about trying to bring up a child? Well, yeah, that, really. they, well, exactly. And so now, Jamie, I look at it and say, the stuff that we're doing to fight it's not working, but neither is following the model that Vancouver has tried. I mean, they've had this going for two decades, and you can't go anywhere in the Lower East Side. 
Yes, I think if you're going to take the position that we need to do something differently about this, that's something more along the lines of decriminalization, you could look at the Portugal model where they've successfully decriminalized yeah. drugs, seen mm-hmm. abuse gone down, and that doesn't mean it's a free-for-all where everything's legal like cannabis is about to be in Canada. It just means they've decriminalized it, and those who are kind of caught now in the system actually get put on a pathway to recovery uh, as opposed to locking them up in jail and then kind of furthering the cycle because essentially their life's over after you've done time in the, in the prison. Why would we be so general about it? I mean, generally, I mean, like decriminalization of pot uh, of a joint should have occurred in, in Canada 30 or 40 years ago. We've ruined countless otherwise good lives because of that. But there's a distinction between decriminalizing heroin and you know, serious addictive drugs and taking away all penalties. So, I mean, you're, you're right in the sense, if you say, well, maybe they shouldn't all be put in jail, I agree with that. Because, well, maybe they should be put in jail because we're, we're starting to have safe needles for people in jail under Ralph Goodale. Isn't that what we said about three months ago? We're going to put safe, clean needles in jail for all the illegal drugs that the criminals have smuggled into jails. Um, but aside from that... So it's not diabetics and insulin is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think you're being very generous on that. But I mean, we, we, and, and so there is some drug treatment, but we are rooting... A whole society. We are ruining cities. Victoria, Vancouver, San Francisco just lost yeah, a huge attention because you can't walk down the street a block in San Francisco without being accosted by some whacked out, drugged out imbecile. Uh, who's either going to one beg from you or try to steal from you? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, uh, Stephen. I would like to see the money that we spend uh, on these treatment centers. I would actually just like to see someone put into rehab for as long as they need to actually get them healthy. I just, to me, that is the more humane approach. Last point to you, Jimmy. Yeah, and I think on this too as well. I actually live right at Queen and Bathurst, so I yeah. see this all the time. We're about to get one of the safe injection oh, sites, and you. there's another <laughs> facility on the northwest corner right there where there are a lot of people who sometimes are very off-putting as you walk by because they're kind of they're unstable and they're clearly on something. I think when you look at a policeman enforcement time where they essentially go into the equivalent of a drunk tank for the night and they're put yeah. down on the street, that's clearly not solving the problem. Right. I'm not saying criminalize them and like yeah. lock them up forever, no, I'm but saying the go, kind of like you know knee-jerk go reaction of like treatment. let them yeah. come down from whatever it is they're on and then put them back out on the street's not working. We need to actually have a real conversation as to what we're going to do differently because the mi- police, massive enforcement, war on drugs is clearly failing. Right, so give them a choice. You can either go to jail for five years or you can go to a treatment program for three months and and, you know, based on your results, to me, that's just a smarter way to go. But I'm not in charge. Um, so that goes out. Alex for office. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> uh, quick break, or not quick break. Let's talk about uh, the Police Chiefs Association. Uh, speaking of drugs, they have said that uh, its goals of having the 2,000 officers needed to be trained to detect drug impairment not going to happen. In fact, 90% of these police agencies say they're not ready and they've warned the government they need more time. What is the rush on this thing, Jamie? So every time I hear a police organization talk about the need for training, that's code for more jobs and a lot more money being thrown at them. If you look at kind of just quite frankly how common it is to smell pot in the city today, Mm -hmm. I don't think impaired driving is a rampant problem like it is. It's it's definitely an issue. All the time. But I don't think it's that bad. I think you can do whatever you want and not go drive afterwards. And in a city like Toronto, you can Uber or take the TTC anywhere quickly thereafter. There's still stuff that's going to need to be that are kind of unintended consequences of legalization coming down the pipe. 
pipeline? Yes, definitely. But anytime you hear cops lining up to say we need more official this, more official that, that's code for more taxpayers' money going to the police unions. Okay, but on the flip side, we've heard from municipalities, um, reserves that have said we don't have the infrastructure. We're not ready for it. And it's just kind of been, it's just this pump and dump kind of policy that we're seeing come out of Ottawa where everyone else has to deal with the consequences of it, Stephen. What is the rush? I mean, you asked that question, Alex, and I... But why I, not give it another six months? Yeah, well, why not? Well, I mean, some people suggest it's because the Prime Minister, one, has not kept other promises, and darn it, he's going to keep one promise before the next election, <laughs> and that is to send this country down the pot. The other one, which is more nefarious, is that a number of the Prime Minister's former advisors and officials own pot companies. And That's right. And they get this going because they are, in, you know, they stand to make a lot of money as soon as it happens, or lose a lot of money waiting for it to happen. Now, that is uh, a more cynical approach, but you know what? It's true. So the biggest pot-growing companies in Canada, if not the biggest, is, uh, is started by one of the Prime Minister's closest advisors. There you go. So that- they getting good advice? Well, <laughs> I guess so, if you're in there, make a lot of money. Someone always, someone told me, always follow the dollar. Oh. And it's never wrong, so we'll follow. Oh, yeah, no, the Dow Jones, the market's always right. Smart money. Mm. Smart money, bad society. <laughs> Quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, a police officer who delivered some truth or some bold language to the mayor of Toronto. Now an investigation launched. Is this issue in policing too politicized? We'll talk about that coming up next here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Good to have you back with us. 8.32 here on this Monday. Beautiful night out. Uh, Stephen LeDrew is joining me with Jamie Ellerton for this counterpoint. Let's talk about um, a letter written by a veteran sergeant who was pretty bold in his writing, blaming John Tory directly for the gun violence. And an internal investigation has now been launched. Um, Here is the mayor speaking about whether or not it's, I guess, appropriate for this investigation to be ongoing. Do you know what I think uh, Mr. McCormick and his agents that send these letters are doing? Is that they are doing a great disservice to their fellow police officers. I just hope that people can adopt the same approach that I have adopted, which is to focus myself entirely on trying to solve this uh, challenge to our community safety uh, and and do everything we can, whether it's uh, to do with law enforcement or helping to build stronger communities, rather than politicizing it. Well, it is political. Uh, Chief Ventino penned an op-ed for the Toronto Sun standing up for the frontline officers and essentially saying policing has become too politicized. Jamie, I'll give you the first kick at the can on this. Uh, Whose side are you on? I don't know if I really have a side of this. I think there's a lot of nuance in this issue, but I think one thing I would commend the officer on is he signed his name to this. This mm-hmm. would have been really easy to leak to the media, have it be an anonymous source, yep. and kind of have things go up the flagpole. I'm sure the mayor's office would have been screaming at the chief of police to find out what's going on in his forces. Uh, the fact that the officer actually signed his name and has the courage of his con- conviction, that he's really coming at this from a positive beliefs in this kind of thing, I say kudos to him. I think we clearly have a gun problem in this city. Uh, this needs to be solved. We're just talking about Queen West. There's been a couple in downtown just mm-hmm. this past week. Queen and Peter, Kensington Market, uh, King and Portland. This is clearly something that's going to be an issue and uh, the status quo, again, is not working. Alex, we have just heard why Jamie is really so good at his job. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Get that pig and stick some lipstick on. <laughs> you did very well, Jamie. I completely disagree with you. I mean, yes, of course, the officer, you know, you know 
great, he signed his name. Police officers have no business getting into public debates of public issues or justice issues. There is the chief of police, there is the, the police services board, there is McCormick, the head of the union. Uh, there are enough people speaking publicly in this issue. We, how many cops do we have in this city? 6,000? Something like that? I don't know. If we have all these officers, or even half of them going out there engaging in public debate, that's not their job. They could debate at, uh, amongst themselves. They could debate and discuss it as they should, you know, at, at the police association meetings. But for an officer to go out there and write a letter, sign or not, saying the mayor is wrong, and he may be, I don't, you know, it's not, that's a different issue. I, I have very strong views on how I, we said the last half hour, Alex, about how to deal with uh, the gun issue. But for an officer to do that, I think he should be subject to a disciplinary hearing. Yeah. That's, that's uh, it, action. Well, interestingly, I mean, look, he, you know, I've come across this cop a few times on the beat, been, a, been in service for a long, long time. He probably feels he has nothing to lose, like maybe standing up for his guys. I, I go kind maybe of two ways on this. I, then if he feels that way. Alex. What's that? Maybe he should lose something then if he feels that way. Yeah, I, well, I think you know, that, at the end of his line then. Well, maybe, but there's so many different political issues here. You've got the mayor, who is a politician. You've got the chief of police, who is also a political position. And then you've got McCormack, who is politicizing it for the union. I mean, they all want something out of this. It's just, who's going to... The mayor is a mayor of the city of Toronto. And the chief of police has that statutory job. This guy's a cop. It's not his job to go around talking about public issues on the public record. Talk about them at the bar with your buddies or at the cop shop. But it is not his job. In fact, it is contrary to his job. Mm. He is to uphold the law. And it's not his job as a peace officer under the criminal code to do what he did, which is why I say he may be a great guy. I'm sure if I met him, I'd, I'd like him. But he, he, he did something very wrong. Yeah, well, he's been uh, endorsed by Chief Fantino, and uh, we'll see where this fight goes, because I don't think it's going away. Uh, let's talk about new polling that shows 70% don't feel that the feds have a clear plan to deal with the thousands of people coming into Canada illegally. I'm surprised. <laughs> this gives me faith in democracy. Yeah. 70% of the population recognizes what is so abundantly true. The Trudeau government has no plan on this, and they're spinning their wheels, and it's oh, going to be a huge problem. Plan, Jamie, come on. They're going to blame it on the mayor, blame it on the, on, on, on the province. Just like uh, you know when Trudeau came out of Queen's Park last week and lectured yep. the, the premier, when the premier wasn't even there, and lectured to the press. Well, I had to show them what our international standards are and our obligations. Well, you know what? Yeah, we have some of those. The feds are mucking it up, and then they're saying to the provinces of the city, here, you guys, fix it. Yeah, look, it, it, this is so political, and you're going to, you know, we're already hearing the rhetoric of, oh, fear and division, essentially calling anybody who calls it out or calls it what it is as racists, and, and they're going to use it for political gain. But the polling is not on their side on this. I think it's very clear that uh, the issue itself has gone and spun out of is control. There anything the federal government is doing right these no. days? The last year? <laughs> no. I mean, come on, you're, you're really good at this. Has, have they done anything right? No. Well, they they well they've they've gotten pot passed, but that that can't be judged until it rolls out in October. But I I am very concerned that things are not being done, and the policy, Jamie, that is being done, it's kind of like this pump and dump policy where it sounds great, but it's not planned out, and then it's dumped on everybody else to deal with. Yeah, and if you look at even the principle that he was trying to lecture Doug Ford on in the halls of Queens Park after last week, in terms of everyone has the right to have their claim heard, 
Well, when it takes over two years to even have your claim heard and mm-hmm. you're drawing down on taxpayer resources and social services while you're having that heard, uh, yeah. that's not actually a system functioning. For such a spendthrift government in Ottawa, if they're actually serious and following through and having the courage of their convictions, speaking about the officer just passed right now, they need to actually resource the Immigration and Refugee Board to process these claims quickly. And so those that are legitimate asylum claimants that are actual refugees, indeed, welcome to Canada. We're a place of refuge. For the rest of you who are just economic migrants and queue jumpers and trying to get ahead and break the system and on the backs of Canadian taxpayers, get out of the country. You're not welcome here. It's 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 simple. Shut the point. I don't understand this. Shut the point where they're coming in. Make them go through the lines. They're taking RCMP. They're, they're yeah. closing to the RCMP stations near there, I understand. Yeah. Last week that was announced. I mean, that's just... <laughs> that is... I mean, why does the Prime Minister just go out again around the world... And, but don't uh, give him any ideas. Here. Don't well. Don't give him. He's he's way on NATO right now. Don't oh. give him. I don't any. know how open he would be to receiving a hand these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's true. But they did say Ottawa has said uh, as early as today. The immigration minister basically said Ontario's not getting any more money. And I'm I don't I don't understand their thinking behind this because they did create this. How can they expect that that Toronto? Can survive this crisis on eleven million dollar handout. It's a crazy government. That's why. That's how. That's. It's inexplicable to anyone with any rationale of common sense, Alex and Jamie. It's just inexplicable. But they think they can bolt baloney their way through it. Almost said a bad word there. Uh, <laughs> they're just trying to put the baloney ahead and uh, hope it blows over. But it's not. Yeah, I actually feel sorry for Minister Hussein on this, because oh, he's I been don't. a very loyal soldier as a rookie minister going out and parroting the PMO lines on this. He needs to start screaming at PMO and PCO to get the resources to actually do what his department is mandated to do. And if he's not going to, he's ultimately going to be the one to wear this. And I think this will reflect poorly on liberals across the country next fall. All those liberal MPs in Toronto are going to wear it. Where's the Minister of Finance? He spends so many gazillions of dollars on absolute garbage. Yeah. And here, you know, here is the mayor, and here is the premier. Well, saying, he's, you know, what we're taking, we're we're shouldering this burden for you guys, and we need some money. And then you're turning around and called a racist if you say, "Hey, can we can we maybe get some assistance oh, to politics. pay for this?" And then they say, "Well, I, I hear the politics of fear again." Yeah, <laughs> I put a vomit when the uh, minister says that. And then God, he smiles. That's right. Uh, Got to leave it there. Great right. chat. Jamie and I are having a great conversation, Alex. What's the matter? Why are you? I'm happy to leave, and then you guys can handle it from here on out. It's a beautiful night. I could sit on my patio, no? I got to get home, Mike. What's going on with traffic? <laughs> Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. See you guys. That is Jamie Ellerton and Stephen LeDrew joining us tonight. You're on point. I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.